In 2019, students from New York City's Public School 124 staged a stripped-down version of Disney's musical Frozen. The elementary school is in New York's Chinatown, and the overwhelming majority of the students there are of Asian descent, mostly Chinese. Directors Tong Hui and Kelly Ng were there to follow the teachers, students, and their parents from audition to the performance. I know that I won't get a lot of jobs as an Asian American because you have to be... No, what are like, you saying? As an actor. You have to be the best of the best. No, it's just because Asians aren't good at acting. You think so? I think so, yeah. Because I never liked the Chinese no, because dramas in musicals, that my mom watches. In musicals, they need like, boring. good actors. For, and like when they need an Asian-American, of course, they're going to pick the top best. And I don't think I might choose to be the top best. So, so are you saying that, we feel, that you feel segregated? Okay, this is not from me. This is from my mom. So that's what she said. So he just crossed my jeans. That was a clip from Curtain Up. It's streaming now until June 10 on PBS. I'll put a link in the show notes. Tong Kui, one of the directors of Curtain Up, is from Beijing. He's been screening the film in China, and now he's in my home studio to talk about it. Tong Kui, welcome to the Beijing Sessions, and thank you for coming. Thank you, Hat, for inviting me. I'm very excited to be here. I have to tell you, and I hate to start the interview this way, but I'm really mad at you for making me listen to Let It Go again. <laughs> I've listened to it like a thousand times also. So. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Yeah. Um, but I also had to wonder, there was quite a bit of Disney content yes. in the film. Um, did Disney have to sign off on your use of it? No, I mean, uh, they didn't like give any endorsement or like, you know, any uh, form of support to us. But, you know, um, they do have a licensing company that licensed the show to the school. So we did have a discussion with Disney, and we basically clear off all the rights uh, from Disney. And what's a Disney teaching artist? Oh yeah, that's the, one of the questions I got a lot. Um, because I mean, they the the theater club at the school does you know was licensed by Disney this show. So like Disney definitely had some like kind of teaching support. So and it was only once during the rehearsals they sent a uh, teaching artist just basically to kind of also to see how the rehearsals go. Um, also because the school was chosen by Disney to produce this pilot production of Frozen Kids. So this, basically this version of Frozen Kids wasn't really uh, sent to other schools. So they were basically the first school to, uh, you know, try out this show. So, so you premiered Curtain Up um, last October. Yeah. At the Asian American Film Festival, and you've screened it throughout North America. Right. I know you've had to answer a lot of these questions over and over, but I think I have to start with the obvious one. Why did you want to make this film? Let me try to find a fresh way to <laughs> answer this question. But uh, it was in uh, summer 2018. Um, it was when the you know the the Hollywood big Asian cast movie Crazy Rich Asians came out, and everybody was talking about Asian representation in the entertainment industry and, you know, the Asian identity stuff. Um, I was a theater enthusiast in college. Also, by the way, I finished high school in Beijing and I went to college in the U.S. for, um, you know, uh, and I, you know, basically stayed in the U.S. for graduate, uh, for graduate school. Um, and um, I did a lot of directing and uh, acting in theater in college. So I was thinking like, oh, how about the Asian community in theater industry rather than Hollywood, right? Uh, so at that time, I was, uh, you know, um, I graduated from college and went, uh, 
on to uh, journalism school in New York, and I started researching and reporting on the Asian community, Asian theater community in New York. Um, that's how I found out this program, um, funded by Bayard Lee, who's also one of the characters in the documentary. So basically, uh, National Asian Artists Project, they had a, a cooperation with uh, the Yong Wing PS124 Elementary School in Chinatown. Um, they started a uh, theater club there um, 10 years ago. Um, so I went down to that school, I visited the kids. The kids were actually rehearsing Aladdin at that time, and they were super energetic and outgoing. So I was totally drawn by it. Um, I brought my camera the next day. Uh, and the release forms for the kids to sign. So that's how, basically how it started. But also because in terms of identity, uh, I think that's also one of the reasons that motivated me to make this film because I was a, you know, international Chinese student in the college. And we had a saying that uh, the biggest culture shock wasn't from American Americans or white Americans, but, but from like Asian Americans and Chinese Americans. Because we thought, you know, we looked the same, we, we were supposed to be similar, but we, but later on we found out that in college, uh, we had very little connection between like Chinese Americans and international Chinese students. We had different, you know, the Chinese Students Association in the in U.S. colleges are funded by Chinese Americans, and usually for Chinese international students, we have Chinese Students and Scholars Association. Those two very separate ones. Even when I was doing like a lot of Chinese dramas, we tended to invite Chinese Americans or Asian Americans to be our audiences, but they always rejected us because they have no interest in what we're doing you know, in terms of Chinese drama. So um, that's why I thought, oh, I, I, I need something uh, to, to explore. Like, you know, I want to know how when the Chinese Americans or ABCs, as we called uh, American born Chinese, when they grew up, how different, wh why were they different from us? And in what ways are they similar or the same to us? So yeah, that's one of the, that this is a journey of exploration. So I thought, okay, how about like kids of 10 or 11 year olds? what do they think about their own identity of being Chinese? So yeah, I think if you watch the documentary, you have different answers to them. What is the hardest thing about making a documentary with children? Of course. <laughs> um, the thing is, um, you know, the first day, okay, it's because the first time I brought my camera, it's only me. And then Kelly joined me about a month later. Um, the kids thought we were just from some TV station. Because there have there had been some other TV crew came coming there, the kids had no idea what a documentary is, right? So naturally, they tend to be very outgoing and open to us. But like after like I'd say two months of time, they thought, well, what 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 the hell are they doing, right? They why why is a TV crew following us for so long? So actually, I think about three or four months into because we cannot really say what documentary is. Like we're just saying like, oh, we we need to. We want to know about your story, about your life. We want to follow you. But then three or four months into our filming, the kids started thinking that we were stalking them. Because uh, we know their secrets, although they try to hide, but like because we're following them all the way, we, we know some of their secrets, um, like some of their romances. <laughs> so uh, William, one of our main characters, and some other like leader kids um, started to get scared of us. and. I remember so clearly during one week of shoot, so because we went down to the school two to three times every week, um, they started resisting our camera, their expression, their facial expression was so like um, offensive in a way, like uh, they were so offended at our at our presence. So uh, we, we actually had to talk to their parents and to explain to the parents, like, you know, what we were actually doing. We were not just stalking them because we want to know about their lives. 
And then, yeah, there was, we call we call this a crisis. And then the next week, William and with some other kids came apologized to me with some tears in in his eyes, saying like, "Oh, there's some misunderstanding. We we want to share our story, <laughs> something like that." And then, yeah, one of the stereotypes um, that one that a couple of the kids in the film express is this notion that Asians can't be actors. Uh, and that surprised me because uh, it's obviously totally nonsense. And I'd never heard this stereotype before. Did you know about this stereotype before? That's a very interesting question. Yeah, I've, I, I didn't know that because, as I said, I was a theater enthusiast. I, you know, I played in a lot of theater works. Um, I think what's behind this is uh, something of a... Uh, bigger complexity is how those two narratives clashed because both Charlotte's uh, brother and William mentioned that their parents watched all Chinese dramas at home. It's all Chinese actors. But on the other hand, their parents don't think they as Asian Americans can be good actors in the U.S. So it's basically two different worlds, like the parents, because I mean, in Chinese dramas, there's no, it's nonsense about why, like Chinese actors being good or bad, because it's all Chinese actors uh, playing the roles. But in the context of like mainstream Western, you know, productions, because of the lack of, you know, Asian Americans, and because of the stereotypical roles that it got, like say in Fast and Furious, it's always the Korean tech guy, you know, there's really very little room for them to show their, like, to fully express their talent, right? So it's definitely kind of for the mainstream society and both, but also for the parents themselves, because they cannot see a lot of like fully developed characters on the screen in terms of the US productions or the Western mainstream productions, people might think that, you know, it's the problem of the Asian American actors themselves. Because Frozen Kids was, in, in my documentary, was played by like an all Asian cast doing a mainstream show. I think what's behind this was that Bayard Lee, the founder of Theater Club and the principal, wanted to also show that, okay, okay we as a Asian community here could also present a mainstream or you know American iconic show with our own talent. So that's 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 like a growing growing um, trend in the Asian theater community nowadays. So so that is changing. That is that is changing. A lot of people are like a lot of Asian people are reproducing like mainstream Western shows to kind of show like you know, you know we can also like perform such things. But also there are people who are performing Asian stories. That's another case. That's because they're performing because their audiences are also usually like Asian audiences. But you know it's like within the their own community. But you know there are other ways to show. The talent. As you said earlier, the, a lot of the documentary takes place in school. Uh, my experience with kids is that it takes very little to distract them. And a camera, when you introduce a camera, that's something that will absolutely distract them. Um, was that an issue for you? And, and, and what did you do to minimize your footprint? I'd say like for every documentary filmmaker time is the panacea, <laughs> the, the ultimate thing. Um, I actually feel lucky because also going back to your previous question about the crisis, about the trust, the trust crisis. Because when I first started filming, they were doing Aladdin. Um, it was like halfway through the rehearsals. And I, as you can see, I didn't edit any Aladdin parts in the final film. So basically the first two or three months was for me just 
the, the, the time spent to get familiar with the kids, to get their trust. Doing most of the shooting, there are only two of us, like Kelly and I, two cameras. So uh, it's kind of two or three months are enough for them to get familiar with me. Uh, but also because I think because they're performing, they're doing rehearsals, right? So it might be hard for them to also perform in front of a camera. They're already performing. So, well, I'm just there to document their rehearsals and their performing. I like everything about acting. You know how it happened? Third grade, I was in a spring show, Chinese New York show, a Chinese New Year show. What happened was, after that, um, the teachers wanted me to go to theater club. And then mom said, no, you cannot go to theater club. You must do something else. And then my uh, Miss Hom just kept on calling over and over again, just so my mom could make me go to theater club. After going to theater club, this is where I am now. I like theater, and my mom can't do anything. So you mentioned in an interview that, that when American audiences saw the film, they reacted to William's mother's decision to send him to military camp in, in China. And, and, and William himself describes this as a traumatic experience, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and in that interview, you, you said that, you know, as somebody who grew up in China, this was just a normal part of growing up. Um, and it's not notable here. Now that you've been screening the film in China, has has anybody brought up that issue? Oh my god, you know what? Like one of the screenings in Beijing I had, um, during that whole sequence of mom William's mom sending him back to the military camp, like some it was just like laughter broke out. Like it was we, we almost like explode the whole building, like because people found it so funny that the mom would send uh William back to a military camp in China. Uh because we understand that uh we we understand so deeply that there's always this difference between like being too free in America and military camp is some somewhere for you to learn about discipline in China. And that's like so funny that William was going through that. But also in in, in Guangzhou, in Canton, um uh, William's mom's cousin was in Guangzhou, and he went to our, my screening, and it was actually him who signed up <laughs> William for the military camp. So I actually asked him a question: Why did you, you know, sign him up for the military camp? And he was basically saying like, because I mean, he had this. Uh, William had this Chinese connection, and in Guangzhou we had this famous military camp. Oh well, to give some background, like Huangpu military camp. Um, nurtured, I, I would say, most of the generals and military leaders in uh, modern Chinese history. It was a very famous school. So, <laughs> you know, uh, they definitely want, give, uh, want to give William some, like, deep connection with China and Chinese history and Chinese culture in that way. So uh, that, that's definitely, that definitely sounds very funny and, you know, interesting to Chinese audiences. But I, I can tell, like, you know, uh, from my response from um, American audiences, this is this might be too traumatizing <laughs> in a way, you know. Well, but he himself says he was traumatized. The thing is, the thing is, he was kind of like joking about that, you know, like, and he, you know, it was twenty eighteen, right? And even nowadays, he kept talking about that in a in a joking jokingly way, you know. So it's kind of hard to to tell. I, I even let him read the diary, uh, in a way, uh, once, and he was kind of playing with his diary like he was 
reading it just so funnily. I don't know. <laughs> so don't don't be too worried about. Oh, I'm not worried about it. William yeah. is somebody I'm not worried. Oh, right, I think course. I feel like okay. William is going to be just fine. Like, right, just right, right. Did, did you, just curious? Did you ever go to military camp? Oh, it's not military camp, but like military training, right? Mm. Because like as a child growing up, uh, we we were supposed we were asked to do military camp or military training, like. I think once or twice in elementary school and once in middle school, once in high school. So it's pretty normal. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. it was very good experience for us too. Because it usually happened before you got into a new class. So it's a, it's basically the first place you got to know your friends and, and, and classmates. Besides the military camp, right. what are other differences in how audiences here have reacted to the film? Great question. Right. Um, because the, I mean, I've, my my film have been to like uh, about a dozen North American film festivals. Um, most of them are like Asian American ones, but you know there are general ones like New York International Children or Doctor YC. But um, to say from like Asian American audiences, I think one of the narratives that they kept saying was that how this film was voicing was kind of like promoting an Asian American voice and to to prove that you know those kids can also perform those kids kids can be part of the mainstream American society and they want to be American, kind of this this whole narrative of being American. Right? Like, being like assimilation? American. Assimilation in a way, yeah, because they're doing Frozen. But to be honest, I feel like um, because um, I've had screenings in China in um, six different uh, cities now and a lot of different audiences of different backgrounds, I think people in China actually see more uh, nuances and complexities behind this. Like uh, they, they see things more from a cross-cultural um, perspective rather than like singular, like a single American or assimilation uh, narrative because they know that, um, for example, the, the Chinese dramas that the kids were watching or the military time that uh, William was sent back was uh, part of, was very important part uh, in the kids growing up process and it's going to be with them for a lot of time. There, I mean, the kids were not just Asian Americans or Americans. I mean, it's, but also because of the families I chose were very cross-cultural. You know, a lot of Asian Americans were like very American, right? But those families I chose were like very cross-cultural. So there's always going to be this tension between like what's Chinese and what's American um, um, to those kids. So yes, I mean, but also because of my background, I mean, I found it hard to say I'm myself an Asian American because <laughs> I went there like, when I was already an adult, I mean, I've, I was um, the panelist at a few panels talking about Asian American identity. And a lot of like, you know, second generation or third generation Asian Americans would tend to say, oh, I made this film or I made, I wrote this to say that, to express that I'm also a part of America. But it's really hard for me to like, I remember so clearly like because May was Asian Heritage Month, right, in, in America. I was sitting like about two weeks ago, I was sitting in my home in Beijing attending this panel in the US, like that was like nighttime for me. And everyone was talking about how they wanted to be American. And they asked me what I think. I was like, I, I couldn't, <laughs> I, I cannot say I'm, I'm also American. I can only speak from a cross-cultural perspective as somebody who's lived in America for six years. Right. You know, it's, it's also kind of hard for me. When you were deciding which students you wanted to follow in the documentary, you, you, you've said that William was a no-brainer choice. Right. Right. Why, why is William a no-brainer? Um, right, because uh, he was Aladdin <laughs> when I when I, when I first saw him. Um, the thing is also I okay, so he was Aladdin. So the, the the first time I saw him, I got interested in him. 
and I talked to his parents, uh, his mom, his mom, and you know a lot of the things that I presented in the interviews in the film, uh, what already happened in the first conversation I had with Jenny, like she was such. I hate to say I hate to use this word traditional because I mean in academic world tradition means something sure. uh, narrative, but like she was very kind of typical like. Uh, <laughs> so mom, so my, yeah yeah I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt you but yeah, yeah you could tell like I mean when you when you when you when you saw her on screen I mean right. it was just the so for example I forget the name of um uh, the boy but the the Laos for example right. their parents came from Australia Australia yeah right and they were the way they interacted with with their right. child was so so different from well, the way you know William interacted William with, Jenny with Jenny and, and yeah that was very funny because uh, after my screening in Guangzhou in Canton because Jenny was from Guangzhou one of the audiences was like you know what <laughs> she was such a typical Guangzhou woman <laughs> you know I mean she went to America um, in her like uh, mid-twenties and she really kind of kept her you know uh, customs and you know all the uh, habits uh even though she she's living she's been living in America for like over twenty years now, um, and speaking of speaking of musicals, speaking about William pursuing a performing dream, the first time I saw Jenny, she was like, "Oh my God!" You know, all my kids, because William had two bigger sisters, and it's like, "Why why why do all my kids like arts and literature?" I mean, I cannot understand. Blah 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 blah. I want them to have a steady future. So she she talked a lot uh, to me. Uh, so I you know that's definitely a good family to follow. I don't have a lot of confidence. I don't know why actually. And I'm very. How do you call it? Humble. There's a difference between being humble and being like very lowly, you know. I... And Charlotte's like lowly, not humble. It's just extraordinary, actually. And when you're talking about Jenny, is like the the amount of growth that happens on multiple levels with different characters, right? Throughout yeah. the making of this film, like there was, of course, Jenny and and, and William, but Charlotte, Charlotte as well, who started off as this. Um, well, why, don't, why don't you describe actually Charlotte? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Charlotte was when I first uh, filming Aladdin's rehearsal. Charlotte was just a like a small character there, and when Kelly and I were discussing about uh, what what female character, like what girls we need to, because we also need to, because we know they're doing Frozen, right? It's a, it's a female-centered show, and we wanted to have like at least one mean like girl character. And we we're discussing this, and we we're kind of like sifting through all the girls there in the theater club. We thought, okay, Charlotte might be, because we saw potential in Charlotte, although she was being shy a lot of times, uh, per, per her brother, lowly sometimes. <laughs> Um, but she has potential, but uh, I mean, not only Charlotte, but we also focused on like, I guess two other girls, but Charlotte was definitely one of the three. And we were so surprised that Charlotte got Elsa. Actually, you know, because we interviewed Charlotte before the, before the audition, we didn't put that in our final cut, but like we actually interviewed Charlotte and Charlotte was very determined to get the role of Elsa before that, um, because her mom and her, her brother really encouraged her, her to do that. Um, she herself was like, was like, ah, oh, you know, they told me, and I, I may have the potential, but I'll try, I'll try, something like that. She, she wasn't that like one hundred percent confident, but she, she, she said she would try, and then she got it. She got Elsa. Well, is this a spoiler? But <laughs> okay, but she got it. So it's an early spoiler. I mean, it's, it's, early not spoiler. Like, it's yeah. all right. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. But also, you know, what always surprised us was, you know, how the character of Elsa really echoed with 
the character of Charlotte, right? Charlotte's growth was Elsa's growth in a way. You know, that's that's kind of like the that's the literary design we had in this in the making of this documentary. It's like when Charlotte when Charlotte was singing "Let It Go," she was not just singing a line in the show. She was singing let it go, let all the pressure that she got from others, from her mom, from her brothers, go. After a short break, Tong Hui returns to talk about how the pandemic affected the rollout of the film. And we catch up with William and Charlotte, two of the characters he and co-director Kelly Ng follow in Curtain Up. We have had some great guests recently on the Beijing Sessions. Alex Shu, Mark Dreyer, Jennifer Lin, Charles Pellegrin, and so many great people are coming through. If you haven't already, consider subscribing to the podcast and rating the show if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. It really helps a lot. Okay, back to Tong Hui. How did the pandemic affect the rollout of the film in the U.S.? Of course, yeah. We were we got into a few festivals. Uh, we got the news that we got into film festivals uh, in back in February last year. Well, we we all know the timeline now, and we already started kind of like searching flights, tickets, blah blah blah. And the 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 premiere was supposed to be like late April at Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, and you know everything got delayed. Uh, well, some got cancelled, so it all pushed back for another half year. So it finally got premiered in uh, October, but you know all the festivals were online. Uh, well, you know all the North American film festivals we attended, yeah, they're all online. And um, but that's very exciting because in Australia, in, in Adelaide, uh, they invited us to their festival in this July, and it's gonna be our first time in this coming July. It's our first time we we play in the cinema. Like in the DCP, so <laughs> finally that's incredible. And I was going to ask you because you've been screening it in, in China. Is right. this the first time you've been watching it with an audience? Right. Oh no. I mean, oh, you know what? We had some internal screenings because we finished the the, the film um, early January oh, last lucky. year. Oh, so wow. we had like yeah. we have a couple. We had a couple of screenings. Like we we don't call it like public screenings, but yeah, we do have an audience, and you know, it's mostly Asian American audiences, and you know, for Asian American audiences, just seeing. A bunch of Asian American kids performing made them cry, so they we didn't really talk about complexities about identity or family, but we're t- we're all talking about like Asian Americans doing performance. Um, you know that's enough for the for that audience to speak a lot. Yeah, like this is your first uh, feature, first feature yeah. uh, documentary, and, and you made it with another director. Mm-hmm. What is it like working with another director? So the thing is, you know, the film started out as a short, uh, as a thesis project for our uh, Columbia Journalism School documentary program. And the thing is, we were asked to partner with another uh, classmate. And the film started out as my kind of interest and idea. And Kelly joined me like about a month later. She worked as a journalist for many years, for like seven, six or seven years before coming to J School. Um, she actually never really used camera before. So this process was a little bit complicated for us um, because in terms of technical stuff and production, I w- it was kind of like, I, I, I also have the role of kind of hands-on because uh, <laughs> I, I started making films in high school, like short films in, and documentaries in high school. 
So that's kind of hard. But 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 I think Charlie Charlie help a lot in terms of writing treatment and you know big picture. Because as a journalist, I mean also as a Singaporean, and she's from Singapore, and basically you know English is native language for for her. So a lot of them. And another good thing is she also speaks Mandarin, right? So in a lot of conversations with the families and also among ourselves, uh, we would speak Mandarin. And for example, writing a treatment. Um, I have a lot of ideas, and she's such a good、uh, writer. So I I would talk in English sometimes even in Mandarin to express my ideas, and she would really reorganize that and put that into you know written form. But also in terms of like pitching or pitching to some、uh, festivals or like pitching to funds,、uh, crowd fund, crowdsourcing funds. Um, she helped a lot, so that's why I put like producer. Like I I put like her name as the first. Kind of producer, you know. You know, as I was watching the film, I thought about the violence that Asian Americans are facing throughout North America, and there have been really high-profile attacks in in New York City.、Um, when you lived in New York, did、yeah. did you ever feel threatened? Sure. Yeah, I've yeah, I've been asked this question a couple of times, and you know, it's always got a little bit more too serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.、Um, the thing is.、Um, For example, like you know, during COVID time, I I remember it was like last March or April. You know, I I was actually living in Chinatown. Ah,、uh, like because during the making of this film, I just fall in love with Chinatown and I moved there. Ah,、uh, towards the end of、uh, the production, and you know, it was COVID and everyone was queuing queuing for a supermarket, right? Ah,、um, and there were people, ah,、uh, obviously out outside of Chinatown. I don't know what they were doing, but they were just coming into Chinatown and start coughing at the queue with all the <laughs> Chinese Americans and Chinese people,、um, stuff like that. But the thing is, you know, as an international Chinese student, or I define myself as Chinese diaspora in the U.S., I could easily、uh, deflect such thing. Like, you know, I would say, okay, those are just stupid people. I'm not gonna live with them forever. Whatever, it's okay for me, right? But you know, throughout making this film. I think I have a much deeper understanding of the situation that Chinese Americans or Asian Americans were facing because that's where they were born and grew up,、um, and they have to live with it all the time. And when when they got stuff like that, it's because of their face. It's because of their identity. But for me, it's like it's because of their stupidity. <laughs> you know,、mm-hmm. I could easily deflect that, but you know, for them, it's much harder. And it's for me. I'm just starting to think about like. William and Charlotte and all their classmates—they have to deal with this bullshit. Is is it something that the children were aware of as well? Sure. Yeah. The thing is, okay. Have you noticed there's a scene,、uh, the dinner table scene, as I called, when they started talking about there being Asians, being Chinese, being 100% Chinese.、Um, it's kind of hard for me to edit that in my film, but the actual context of that conversation was. Uh, when they went to the Junior Theater Festival in Atlanta, there were over 140 teams, over 6,000 girl, uh, uh, kids. Most of them, a majority of them, were white. So it's a very white dominant. So the the teams were from the basically the five English speaking countries, and it's all white kids. And that conversation happened、um, the first evening when they first arrived there. They suddenly saw that they were such a Special team, and everyone else was looking at this team and was like, "Oh, what, what, like, are you from China or like, you know?" And and some of, because they're also young, like there are a lot of girls, like white girls, fourteen, fifteen year olds. They just grab the kids and want to take pictures with them, you know. <laughs> so the kids were suddenly singled out, 
And that's how that conversation happened. They became so self-conscious of who they are. Yeah, and I guess, you know, because they were in a uh, Asian American dominant elementary school, but that's why I put a, a kind of small hint in the end that when Charlotte went into middle school, there was only one Asian kid in her class. He had a very hard time trying to adapt and suddenly, you know, thrown into a mainstream, like white environment that's so unfamiliar and so in some ways so offensive to her. You know, I was going to ask you how they're doing with these new schools, but, sure. but, but this, it's, I mean, they probably haven't been to class. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. The thing is, you know what? Okay, it's very interesting. William, so the last night I spent, I, I came back to China uh, last November, and the last night I spent actually with William's family, I just as a memory, a group memory. And I remember so clearly that um, because everyone knew that, you know, that was uh, 2020, like November 2020, but everyone knew that uh, the school wasn't going to reopen maybe next summer, right? Until next summer. And uh, William's mom was saying like, oh, you know, um, William's middle school was failure, wasted, something like that. Because William, you know, William needs a lot of support and encouragement, you know, the whole support system. And stuck at home, stuck at home William started playing a lot of video games and stuff like that. Uh, although there are like a couple of theater camps online, William attended some theater camps, but it was totally different from a school environment, right? So that's kind of hard for William. Charlotte got much better. The thing is, well, Charlotte, it's so, so interesting because... Um, you know, in the end of the film, Charlotte said it was so hard to be around all white girls. I need to be perfect, but no. But like about a year later, when I saw Charlotte uh, doing Zoom calls for the festival Q and A's, Charlotte became very American, very white. Actually, that all the fancy stuff, like she would start dancing out of nowhere and stuff like that. Um, so I, I, I guess maybe I don't know. Maybe for a girl of 11, 12 year olds, it's kind of easy, easier, you know. Uh, to kind of adapt. Um, well, but also Charlotte has has been um, performing and dancing and you know watching all the all the, the so-called mainstream stuff. So she's quick. She's fast. Will the film have a theatrical release in China? It's 20, 68 minutes. So basically, for for theatrical release, it doesn't. I, I I do have a distributor already in China, but they I don't think they are gonna uh, put uh, energy in theatrical release. It doesn't really worth it. The thing is. Um, I, I was literally texting my distributor this morning and they already sent it to uh, one of the uh, main streaming platforms in, in China. So, and they're reviewing it. But actually, uh, during my screenings in China, I got some um, um, offers from other platforms. But yeah, I will, I will have a, a internet uh, release, hopefully in the next month or coming two months. What's next for you? What's next for me? Wow, okay, cool. Um, I uh, actually, during the uh, pandemic last year, I was stuck in, in New York, uh, lockdown. I actually finished a book um, called, a, uh, it's, it was written in Chinese, but it's called um, kind of like the quagmire of identity. Okay, it was written in Chinese. I've been looking for this book because I listened, I heard you talking about it. Right, and I'm like, right. I can't find this book anywhere. Okay, right, it was yeah, written in Chinese. Because, That's I mean, okay. The thing is, uh, first we're talking Chinese. Also, I tended to be published in Chinese. I've asked around uh, different editors at different publishing companies. Uh, I got a lot of responses, similar responses called uh, um, the theme was sensitive and uh, the content was not commercially oriented. That's the that's the situation in China. <laughs> okay, um, so actually I just contact a Taiwanese <laughs> publishing company and they were interested in this. Basically this book was talking about, I really want to bridge two different perspectives. The perspectives of Asian Americans and Chinese Americans and the perspective of 
uh, Chinese international students and Chinese, I mean like Chinese, because I think we need to, as a Chinese, we need to understand what's happening to Asian Americans and Chinese Americans to understand what living in a marginal and minority community feels like. Because, you know, in, in China, uh, we have this mainstream narrative. We have this national identity narrative that really impose, uh, imposes itself on any other minor narratives. And I think it's a, to understand Asian American experiences, to understand people of marginal uh, backgrounds besides us like around us, you know, because I mean, live, growing up in Beijing, I have this strong feeling that people all around me or we, 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 we tend to listen to a singular narrative of who we are. And, but also in, in another way, uh, when China wants to be kind of a leader in the world um, in terms of politics and economics, but in terms of cultural identity and our society, are we ready to see ourselves as a race or as a, as a civilization in today's world, you know, because racial narrative is such an important thing in today's world. But China, but I think at least for people around me or mainland Chinese, we haven't really got ourselves into this narrative or understand our places or our position in the global racial narrative. Um, yeah. So this book is basically a historical and cultural analysis book. Um, and it, basically answer trying to answer a question of um who we are this we means like chinese like not only mainland chinese but like the 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 china the the, the civilizational chinese in today's world when when china as a country is growing uh is growing to be a superpower um yeah but it doesn't talk about politics it's more about identity and personal choices Tonghui, thank you so much for coming. I really enjoyed the film and I really enjoyed talking to you. No problem. Wow, it's been great talking to you and talking to your audiences. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks so much to Tonghui. If you're in the US, you can stream the movie on PBS. I'll put a link in the show notes. For news about where you can watch the film, head over to curtainupfilm.com. I'll put that in the show notes too. And I'll see you next week.